Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast of Word First Ministries. Tune in each week and join us as we pursue God's command to make disciples of all nations. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast brought to you by Word First Ministries. I am your host, Jacob O'Neill. And as always, I'm joined by my friends, Cameron hey. and Bailey. Yep. We've got a great podcast for you today. So we're just going to jump right in. Bailey, would you mind opening us with prayer? Yeah, of course. Lord, we just ask that um, you'd be with us today in our conversation as we look back um, at some of the hardships and also the victories over the past four months again. Um, I pray that you would help us to see your hand at work in the midst of all of it. So, Lord, help us to appreciate and see you more from today's conversation, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for it. Uh, for that, Bailey. Uh, so strangely enough, uh, moving your family 5,000 miles uh, yeah. away from California uh, presents itself with lots of different challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been reminded uh, constantly of a verse from Luke chapter 14, uh, where Jesus says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Mm. So I think this is a this is a really great verse that just kind of sums up the concept of counting the cost of you know following the mission of God, mm-hmm. picking up your cross and following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know we can think of the ultimate you know cost that like some martyrs throughout Christian history have paid, uh, yeah. but following Jesus uh, to you know become a missionary and travel to a different country with a different culture and a different context uh, provides with it some challenges. So one of the first things that uh, was very apparent, one of the first challenges were we kind of realized we had to give up a lot of the normal things, a lot of the comfortable things that we had back in California. So Cameron, how about you start uh, us off today by talking about some of the sacrifices that you and your family have had to made yeah. to pursue what you were certain God was calling you to? Yeah, um, so I'll do my best. Uh, mm. All at once, I don't want to like elevate myself or of or anything like that because um, I think that the sacrifices have been the, the way that this has touched my family. They're real and they're significant, but they're also not. Um, I don't know. I don't want to compare myself to I think real actual heroes of the faith, mm. and so I don't, I don't want to overstate the difficulty. But I also want to meet it head on because it has not it has not been insignificant or in or inconsequential. So I'll do my best to to answer that stuff without sounding like I'm complaining or making a martyr of myself, especially in the light of Christians who have actually like done super crazy stuff. Well, of course, and so I can just clarify, like we obviously realize that uh, there are people who have paid far higher prices than we have paid. Yeah, yeah. And the, the purpose of this is not to elevate ourselves or put sure, ourselves on a pedestal. I also do think, though, it'd be kind of silly to pretend like this yeah. was the easiest, this was just easy. We could just mm. press the reset yeah. button on life and yeah, here we are. I mean, so that's... There, there's a sense in which, so we're all kind of in different stages of life. So myself, I just turned 38, heaven help us last month, the month before and after the end of October, yes. uh, you guys are in your early twenties, your young families. Um, so you have a little bit more, your context is a little bit more similar to one another than mine is to any of your guys' families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked, uh, I had mentioned on our first episode how my family, so we started when we took a vacation to Norway and when we were here in Oslo, I knew this is where God want me, wanted me. And I said some, my heart was something like, uh, Whitney, you go home and like take care of everything. I'm going to stay in Norway and however long it takes for you to like sell the house and the cars and whatever, figure out what we're going to do with the kids, go do that. And I'll see you back here. That was absolutely mm-hmm. true. And, um, I'm super glad that we didn't get to do that. And one of the, I tell you that to tell you this, uh, so t- Whitney was uh, sort of very careful and cautious. And it took a long time for her to really hear from the Lord and be confident about what he was doing and bringing us here. And that's because he was, she was being careful to protect our family and all of the blessings that we were experiencing from God. So why would you throw all of those away? If it's clear that God's blessing you where you're at, why would you abandon that? It sure. seems like the kind of thing you need to be very clear about. So for us, I mean, um, so I was a pastor at the orchard and Whitney's a public school teacher. So we weren't um, like entrepreneurs making tons of money, but we were very comfortable and and doing well and very, uh, very grateful for everything that we had. And we lived a really nice life. So we owned a home. We lived near the town where we grew up. Um, 
which was a, always a high value to us. It was funny people. So we, we grew up in Temecula and a lot of people, especially people I went to high school with, like could not wait to get out of that three horse town. Like they, <laughs> they couldn't wait to leave. Sure. Whitney and I, yeah. uh, we both, our goal was to sort of get back. And so we did. Whitney was, I was pastoring in a church in Temecula. Whitney was teaching high school and doing very, very well. Whitney's really bright and is an excellent teacher. She's doing really well at high school in Temecula. And we had sort of worked really hard to achieve the the dream. So we had uh, two children and then we had a third children. So at the, at the time we came and visited, we had our two kids and we had a dog and we had a house that we owned and uh, had really, we're sort of waist deep in our careers and, and looking at what we thought was sort of the, the, be- the beginning of the rest of our lives. We'd, <laughs> we'd sort of made it, we'd made it to that milestone, to that checkpoint. It's like, right check and now everything is living out that life that we've been working so hard to build so that's the context is that that's kind of where we started and Mm -hmm. and like i had mentioned before we'd never considered missions at all we were glad other people were were doing the missions but i was happy being a pastor at the orchard um we have a church family that we just absolutely adore uh and you guys know so those of you who are watching from the orchard we love each other a whole lot absolutely and so anyways so from our, our perspective it's like we're we're in we'd achieved the life when had been lots of hard work and lots of blessing and we really put the time and the energy and the effort in and we'd gotten to that place in life that everyone sort of wants to and we were enjoying that um with uh no sort of hint that god was going to take us from that so put that all together i'm ready to stay in oslo and whitney goes wait time out hang on a second yeah you know we've got student loans to pay off at this point um you know, we both had gone to graduate school and we have some stuff that needs to be taken care of in the United States. Mm-hmm. And what do you mean we're moving to Norway? Absolutely not. We live close to our families. Our girls got to see their grandparents like every day. Uh, my dad and I worked together. So my dad was my boss and we got to be in ministry together like every day. And we gave all of those things up. Mm-hmm. So we are so grateful. We're now employed by the international mission board and that's amazing. And we have a nice home and all the thing, like our life here in Oslo is really wonderful. We're really thankful for it. But we gave up things like me working with dad and getting to, mm-hmm. getting to see him and philosophize and talk and go out to lunch and uh, spend really great time together. And we uh, gave up the opportunities to be close with our family who was together. I mean, that stuff hits you really hard. We just sure. experienced our first Thanksgiving together and now we're sort of rolling uh, into Christmas and the end of the year. What does that look like? I've never spent a Christmas apart from mm-hmm. my folks and my brothers. And then mm-hmm. as our families grew, my nieces and, and my nephew. And and now what, is, what does that look like? So Whitney and I, we sold our house mm-hmm. and we sold our cars and we sold most of our stuff. And then whatever was left over, we sold half of that over <laughs> again. Sure. And we're, we're rebuilding life here. I think you the words you use were like pushing the reset button on life. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a major, like there's a major advantage. Not very many people have that opportunity where at you know, sort of approaching 40 years old, you get to reset and go, okay, like you can look back on your life and go, where are the ways that I have not lived out my priorities? And now how can, how can we fix and adapt and now going into this next season of my short life on earth, do better. That's an amazing blessing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it also comes with pitching a lot of things, getting rid of a lot of uh, throwing a whole bunch of stuff overboard. And a lot of those, you know, comforts and conveniences and relationships. I mean, we're talking to uh, a man who's come, he's, he's a missionary here uh, now in Norway. And he told me a story about how for him, like he and his wife had to give up some stuff for her. It was being able to own a certain kind of a house. And for him, it was his library. He's like, I, you know, I love theology. I cannot afford to yeah. ship my library. Um, and, I, and so, yeah, <laughs> that's, 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 uh, <laughs> books. And he and I talked about that. And I think it, developed in me the perspective of something like, um, so yeah, so maybe for the next, I don't know, maybe God gives me another 50 years. That would be amazing. God gives me 54, 50 more years. And during those 50 years, I'm not going to see my brothers very often or my, my nieces or my nephew, Seth, like we're not going to see them very often. And that breaks my heart because we're a very close family and we yeah. love living near one another. Um, I'm not going to see my folks very much. And I really cherish my relationship mm. with them. And I cherish a relationship that, my parents and my in-laws have with the girls, like all of that stuff is going away. But the hope is that at the end of this, you know, we'll get to see each other in the kingdom and be able to share a big hug and say, okay, that was all worth it. Mm-hmm. Right. Those 50 years, yeah, absolutely. they melt away and they round down to nothing in the context of eternity. So, um, 
So that has been kind of our per, our perspective, but it means things like now we we brave the cold weather and we live in the snow now. And for you people mm-hmm. who live in the snow, I know that's not a sacrifice, but for us, we're, I'm a Southern California boy, right? right? That's, <laughs> I'm born and raised. All those you, you guys, uh, we don't get a lot of snow in no, Southern California. I remember the one time it. You guys remember the one time it happened in yes. Temecula? Oh my gosh! Um, like once every 473 years yeah. or something like that. People stopped on the freeway. They like got off the freeway because they thought it was the end of days. <laughs> How do I drive in the snow? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but learning a new climate and learning a new language, picking up a new language at 40 years old ish, mm-hmm. almost four. I shouldn't say it until it happens, but no, just say it. Okay. Just I'll just be 40 for a Please while. Don't. Just I start can't it right now. That. So I get used to it by the time. <laughs> can it you just not? Can we? <laughs> so as a 40 year old man, <laughs> picking up a new ish. language, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a significant sure. thing to do. And, um, and for us to, like I said, we live comfortably, but we got rid of our major asset and, mm-hmm. and, uh, or still those student loans, they haven't gone away. Maybe they will, but they ain't yet. <laughs> and, um, you know, my children now are going to school in Norwegian in a whole new language. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and my kids, if they want to be able to continue to learn, they have to be able to do it in a whole new language. So they have to come up to speed real, real quick. We have the benefit of being able to speak Norwegian, uh, being able to speak English with adults. My kids have to, they have Norwegian teachers who are teaching mm-hmm. a Norwegian class with Norwegians. Right. Um, kids who only speak Norwegian, right? And well, at least maybe barely English, but yeah, mostly Norwegian. And some of the stuff, like le- yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And uh, learning a new diet, like they eat differently here than we do in sure. the United States. Protein is very expensive here, so we eat a lot of bread. That's not super great for a dude like me. Mm. But you got you have to learn you have to learn how to do it. So yeah. not to make too much of my of my sort of sacrifices, but it's being willing to I think hold things with uh, with an open hand, which I know is maybe a little bit of a Christian cliche, but. When God calls you go, mm. and if um, if you're convinced that that's what's happening, that God's calling you there, you know, like I said initially, my wife Whitney, she needed to just be sure that it was God calling, mm-hmm. um, because look, I mean, look at the life that He's prepared for us now. Do you really believe that He's asking us to give all of that up to now go rent a home again? As a, if you have those of you who have done it, you know, you sort of make progress in your life. You go to college, maybe or, or not. But you get married, and you live in a, you live in an apartment, and then maybe a slightly nicer apartment, and then that one gets robbed, and then maybe you live and in then a slightly, real apartment, yeah, <laughs> a slightly nicer apartment. But you can still hear your neighbors and their dogs and their kids and stuff. And then sure. you know we finally had bought our first house, mm-hmm. and we had some you know it's a California tract home, but we had some uh, semblance of privacy yeah. in my own yard to mow. And now we live in, I don't know if we call it a part, it's called semi-detached housing, but we live like in this three-story thing. We're sandwiched right in between a family upstairs and these four college students downstairs. We have people, like unwanted people, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, uninvited people in our, in sure. our lives again. And sure. it's, it feels like a giant step backwards sort of in, in the progress that you make. Uh, and that you make in life, you know, in the terms mm. of the American dream or whatever. So I think I'll leave it at that. I definitely don't want to complain. I'm very, very, very happy yeah. and hope I haven't sounded complainy, but it's not a, it's not a minor thing to give up everything you're used to. And then like we talked about uh, in the first episode, everything here looks so familiar, but is so mm. very different. So, I mean, the language is a little bit different, but they use mostly the same alphabet. But the people look more or less like we do, and they have iPhones and yeah. and laptops and all the same kind of technology and cars and buses. Like, everything kind of looks the same. But under the hood, it is very, very different, and it's very difficult to to adjust to. So it makes you tired all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, your mind is constantly working, so your brain and your body get tired, and you get to comfort your children. Can I say say one to one quick story? Please. Yeah. There was a day when, when Cheery came home from school and uh, we didn't know where she was at. So she, she was at school, but nobody could find her. And in fact, the people who were supposed yeah. to know where she was, mm-hmm. not, by no fault of their own, like they, it wasn't as though they were being negligent. They said, Is it po- we can't find her. Is it possible she just like went home with someone or walked? I'm like, no, that's not possible. And she hadn't. She was hanging out with a six-year-old girl at her school. Cheery's eight. So she's hanging out with one of the younger kids because this younger kid is a little girl from California. And they have lots and lots in common, especially compared to her, the Norwegian kids. And so we had to have that talk. And me, from my fatherly perspective, I was, I said, you know, cheery that we pay for this after school program so you can get to know Norwegian kids and that you can practice the language and, and, and learn to understand the culture. And so you can get integrated as quickly as possible because next year you're in a Norwegian class. She's an introductory class now, mm-hmm. but next year it's all Norwegian with all the Norwegian kids. So, so we're doing that so that you can, and so I expect you to invest also. 
And she's so sweet. She's like, yes, of course, Papa, I know. And she, you know, squirted a little tear. Mm. And she goes, but it's just so hard because I tell the kids all the time. And I tell them so many times that I don't speak Norwegian and I only speak English. And I have to keep telling them and they just keep speaking Norwegian and they don't want to play with me and I just want to play with them. But I, mm. I can't because yeah. we, because, and, and so, and I'm doing a bad, like, I'm sorry, Cheery. When, if you ever it's see like, this, I'm sorry. That's like the, the saddest story ever. Yeah. <laughs> and like, my sweet little baby who she just wants to make friends, yeah. like sincerely legitimate, just wants to make friends and be included and really is doing her best has to explain to me we don't speak the same language. Like you're, you're pushing hard and, and I can't, I cannot communicate with these people. I mean, that's a hard, that's a tough day and we're going to have more of those and different, you know, different versions of that story, Mm. different, different versions and different degrees of that kind of story. And it's, it's a tough thing to do to look at your kid who was, she's very bright and well-liked and had lots of friends tell you, I can't make friends because I don't know the language and I just keep begging these kids to pay attention to me and it's hard because because we can't communicate. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Those things are rough. So I know that's a very long answer to, to a question about the sacrifices we made. I, I don't know if they're sacrifices, but they're definitely things we gave up and some of the challenges that we face now that we're here. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that perspective because kind of like what you said at the very, very beginning was that we're kind of, we're the same age and, you know, kind of got married at the same time and mm-hmm. have pretty similar, you know, lives. Yeah. Um, but kind of from your perspective, um, and it doesn't sound complaining at all. I don't okay, think good. you're complaining. Yeah, I don't not. think I don't think you have an attitude of uh, ungratitude or yeah. you know disgratitude. Yeah, or, that's yeah, that's not what's in my whichever heart. Whichever one yeah, of those is right. The opposite yeah. of gratitude. Yeah. No, I, I don't think um, I don't I don't think that's in your heart at all. I don't think you came across that way. But mm-hmm. I think it puts it really puts some stuff into perspective, at least for us, because mm-hmm. if you really kind of look at some of the stuff you had mm-hmm. that's kind of like the ideal like it's kind of we call it the nuclear family right yeah. mm-hmm. they're like the james dobson model of kids you know <laughs> husband and Whoa. wife and like yeah. you know three three and a half kids or i don't something think like to that. be clear for the record i don't think james dobson invented that version of the family <laughs> of course not yeah, i think it was like, around before that's just like, what i've heard it been called is that <laughs> really? not the right is that right not the right thing i don't know i don't get out much i've never heard it called that but <laughs> okay <I'll>, my apologies <laughs> california mm-hmm. okay but um i feel like that that kind of model of family like in our in our culture like you had you were homeowners you found someone that you love and spend are, are going to spend the rest of your life with mm-hmm. you have kids yeah. who are like normal people and like are awesome and like cheery like she's never met a stranger my gosh <laughs> Yeah. She mm-hmm. not even a language barrier stops her from trying to make friends. Yeah. And you know, to see all of that and to look at, well, I have all of this, hanging on to it, looking at a thing to grasp onto, mm-hmm. it seems like a totally reasonable thing. Yeah. And is a re- is a totally reasonable thing. It's it's kind of well, that's like, the expectation. That's what yeah. you want for your kids, right? That's what I want for my kids. I want my girls to go to school and be educated yeah. and, and decide what they're gonna do for a career and what God has called them to, and then if they so choose to meet somebody to get married to and have children and have their careers and get their own home and begin a home. And Whitney and I had begun a home and we had, Mm. you know, we'd had our home for several years, Um, but we'd begun sort of life. And now God goes, yeah, 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 but like scramble all of that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do this whole new thing. And it feels like starting over, you know, it feels like, and not just financially, we're, we're fine, but it's not like we're starting over financially. Now we're broke. Like that's not it at all. It feels like you're starting life over. It feels like you said the reset button. Mm-hmm. Like you start over at level one. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait a minute. I was just, a, I was, I'm not going to, I was doing pretty good. I was like, doing okay. I, <laughs> you know, compare, like yeah. on, there, there are worse cases, right? Yeah, of course. I could be alone and on the street, but I'm not, yeah. I'm, I have, I have shelter yeah. and know where my next meal is coming from. And it, it, it's, uh, yeah, I appreciate that perspective. It feels like we're sort of halfway through the game, you know, and now we start sure. over at, at level one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wait, I was, we were up, you know, Twenty-seven to zero, and now we're sure, zero whatever, zero. That, whatever wow. that means. That's, that's a metaphor. A <laughs> that, those, that's football scoring. We have to folks. stop. That's, oh. it's American football. Okay, so <laughs> I appreciate that perspective. Why? Yeah, why? I'm trying to keep it light. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that perspective, yeah. um, but kind of on bringing us into the equation, I want you to kind of start touching on this. Our worlds are not not completely different, but still a little different. So we yeah. kind of just started 
adulthood, like really, like we started our own households kind of at the same time and mm. moving out, you know, kind of at the same time. Can you speak into that? Like talk about, you know, some of the things that you've had to give up and your struggle with knowing that God's calling you here, but mm. I'm just, I literally just started establishing yeah. myself yeah. here in, 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 in California. Mm. So uh, how about you speak into that a little bit, Bailey, and uh, talk about that? Yeah, I think uh, Cam's story for me just sounds like, a really similar story to ours. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, you know, level 27 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gosh. because all three of us, like no matter what we're in ministry, um, that's just, we know that's our calling or vocation or, you know, most of our time in our lives is going to mm-hmm. be, um, devoted to full-time ministry, um, whether it's paid or not paid. Yeah. Um, so I think for, us, we generally have like a roadmap that looks similar for our lives. Um, and I look at Cam and Whitney's example and, um, just that's where, that's what I had in my brain. And I think that's what you had in yours. Um, Grace's, you know, going to school to get a degree for medicine to be a physician's assistant or a nurse or something. Um, I'm starting out as a um, worship leader at a church. Mm-hmm. So right. we're like uh, not even a year into our marriage, year into our apartment. And like you said, we had a pretty solid setup for, you know, guys at yeah. the age of 22 <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think we did pretty good. Um, and that was not far like out of my view. Like I think that was a pretty realistic eventuality that we would be where they were at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, hitting the reset button and just kind of eliminating that from, um, our future was a shocker. But, um, the thing I come back to is like what Cam said, when God calls you go, um, for grace and I both and, um, way more in grace than me, just her, knowing that God called us and that we have to go. Um, I think that's just like the most, uh, I don't know. That, that's what kept us on the path of, yeah. even mm-hmm. though it's painful and um, difficult to look at the, all the costs of hitting the reset button for us. Um, I just, I know that we heard God call us yeah. like we talked about last episode. Um, so, if I'm not going, then what am I doing? It yeah. was just kind of where I was. So, um, yeah, it, it was hard, but, um, extremely just our mindset was, has, and still is been on that. Um, God's called us. So we're going. And, um, I just wanted to say like hearing your story every time I know we're supposed to talk about us at this point, but <laughs> no, talk about, Cam, um, why not? Yeah, it's not weird. whenever I consider like, the what you and Whitney have given up and like for your family have given up to come out here. Um, that always just like fills me with awe. Mm. Um, especially again, Whitney's example. Cause I think, you know, us guys, I don't care how much we give up or how much pain we bear on our shoulders. Like yeah. we just got to bear the pain, whatever God decides mm-hmm. to put on us. Like it's our responsibility to step up and take it in my view. Um, but for Whitney to be in the dream job, like yeah. literally the dream mm-hmm. job at one of the most awesome, legitimate high mm-hmm. schools. And she's the, she was she the president of the science board or? Yeah, no, it was, she, she was the, um, uh, oh goodness. I chair. Yeah. Something. Whatever she was, she was, yeah. Sort of the head of the science department for, yeah. for some time, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, but even beyond that, beyond her, like her status in the department among her teachers, like, there were a bunch of teachers in the science department. They all love each other and they Mm -hmm. eat lunch together every day. And they're, they're friends beyond and outside of work. And I mean, she told me when she got that job, she's like, this is it. This is all retire here. And I think she was 26 or something like that. Maybe younger when she, uh, she got that job. She's like, this is it. I'm done. We never, we never have to do. We'll buy the house that we're going to be buried in buried in the house. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry for laughing so hard at that, but that was (laughs) funny to me. Um, yeah, well, I mean, 
I, I really like you touching on that, that cam story is like, it, I hope it's not too weird for you to mm. hear it again, but it's just really inspiring for us. Mm. Cause I mean, if we think about it, I don't want to minimize taking myself out of the equation. I don't want to minimize what the team has done. The young adults in the team have done by press, pressing the reset button and making those sacrifices and coming over here. I don't want to minimize that. But at the same time, like if we, like if if tomorrow like Norway disappeared off the map or like if the whole thing blew well, up in flames, well, we're here, right? so yeah. hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if we had a boat and it disappeared, <laughs> but you know, if tomorrow this whole thing goes up in flames, like for me and Bailey, it would be uh, easier, yeah. relatively easier mm-hmm. than you yeah. to kind of press the reset button again and yeah. go back and it's like I'm sure our parents would let us crash on the couch for yeah. like a month or two mm-hmm. while we got established and you know found our own place especially if it burned up in flames or whatever yes well yes there's a sense there's a sense in which it's easier for us yeah. to you mm-hmm. know kind of go back and yeah the, you uh, guys have well you're you sort of you know if we're going to continue to extend the terrible analogy of how sort of <laughs> what level we're on um you you guys are all younger and so you hadn't sort of made sure. it down the road of life farther any any as far as we had so there's a sense in which you had sort of you have sort of less to lose, mm-hmm. or less um, uh, tan fewer tangible things yeah. to lose. So yeah, there, I guess there's a sense in which it's harder for Whitney and I to reset. It's like we realize how much how much we had to give up and how hard it is to reset if we fail. Yeah, and that's something. You know what what happens if we fail? Um, it's hard to not think about that all the time, mm-hmm. and then to not feel faithless for thinking about mm-hmm. that. Like what do you sure. mean we fail? If God called us to do this and, uh, you know, he's the master of the universe, what do you mean we fail? Mm-hmm. But, you know, we can fail God and um, there's a huge, there's a cost. There's a cost to that happening. So, you know, on the one hand, sure, we had, we have sort of more to give up and more to lose because we had got, because we're older and had gone sort of further down the road of life. At the same time, I mean, you, there, you guys didn't hold back much when it came time to decide where to live. It's like, well, we don't have much money. I mean, so... You know, we don't have much money. We're supported. Uh, we're supported entirely by donor ministers, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and as we see the like our budget happen, it's like okay, well, where can we afford to live? And the answer is student housing. And so that's a miracle of God that He got you into oh. school here. And you know, we'll tell that story at some point. But um, okay, you guys get to live in little tiny dorms. Mm-hmm. And that's a step back. I mean, you guys are all in your, you're living in your own digs and, you know, starting your, starting your young families. And now we get to live in, uh, in dormitory style housing. And it's, it's not bad. It's, it's an amazing thing God's provided for you, yeah. but you, you know, you've started over also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you started. Yeah, all yes, over. we have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and sometimes it comes out in the weirdest ways. Like I didn't have a vegetable peeler the other day. It's yeah. like, <sighs> yeah, like I, I know it sounds stupid, but it's like no, the no, tools, no. the things that I had, and mm-hmm. and you know I I was a I, I was a husband and a father, so I had like spare sprinkler parts, yeah. and, sure. and I had the sure. tool for just that thing for when the thing starts making the weird noise. Right, and now, motorless lawnmower. That's right. And so it's like I have I had this had this stuff. I had life, and mm-hmm. some of that life is on its way in a boat. Some of you have been wondering about that. The boat is expected to be here like second or third week in January. So thank God, only took six, seven months or whatever yeah. <laughs> to get our stuff here. So some of that stuff is coming, Yeah, but plenty of that stuff we just sold and got rid of and have to decide if it's worth taking up space here. You know, we, mm-hmm. we need to get pots and pans and, and furniture yeah. and, and stuff. So, um, so sometimes it's the, it's the little things. It's not having a vegetable peeler or you can't, I don't know why this is the case, but in Norway you cannot buy just a regular pair of tongs. You know, tongs like you flip bacon or sure, whatever sure. with. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can buy these plastic oh, yeah. ones that are like they're like giant Chopsticks. tweezers, yeah. ah, like giant yes. tweezers. Um, and you can buy ones for the grill. But I've only seen regular tongs a couple of places, and they're they're like fifty bucks for a set of tongs. Um, I don't know why that is. is there a tax on tongs or something? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <What is it? laughs> uh, or or a uh, or or a spatula that's like wide enough for a pancake. Yeah. Um, it's not to complain about Norway. I love sure, it here. No, of I course. Love it here. Yeah, but, but those are the, that's the, those, it's those kinds of things you're like, really? Like I, 
Okay. That, that was, that's a representation of how well I had it figured out and how like successful I was on the path of life in the United States sure. and how mm-hmm. here it's like, okay, like I've got to, <laughs> I feel stupid as I, as I, as I sense it compiling in my mind, the sentence feels stupid, but you have to learn how to live life without tongs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you have to learn to live life without tongs and live life without your vegetable peeler and have to start over with the, with the little things. So thank you for that. Yeah. I've definitely experienced that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, these items around the house that we've taken for granted. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, uh, this is one like, uh, during the first or second month we were here, uh, but we bought like a little, I don't know, spoon thing to stir pasta in on a yeah. pot and it broke and yeah. it was our only one we had. Yep. And isn't it just crazy how that just ruins your whole life? Like, yeah. it's just like, okay, it broke. I guess we're not eating tonight. Yeah. Um, but before, you know, uh, we keep talking before this, you know, turns into a total downer. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about some of the ways where in the midst of that, in the midst of like when your pasta spoon breaks, yeah. uh, and, oh, the humanity, you know, <laughs> that's it. God, I give up. Yeah, I guess you're not in this. Just <laughs> <laughs> cash out. <laughs> go home. Throw in the towel. Yeah. Um, in the midst of those uh, long nights, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. those hard days, what, what are some of the things? Stirring the pasta with your bare hand. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> the humanity. Yeah. It's, uh, it, so what are some of the things we do to find comfort in the middle of that? Um, because... Yeah, we don't have those like they don't have like hot Cheetos isn't exactly the popular yeah. uh, food here. We can't exactly go to get some of the same comfort foods we mm. like. Some of the more traditional ways we find comfort. Um, Bailey, how about you uh, pick us uh, pick us up there? How are some of the ways that you've found comfort in the midst of the sacrifices, the struggles, even the little petty struggles that built up and can get mm. annoying? Um, how about you speaking to that? For me, I'd say. Uh, one not super serious one, uh, would be the weather. Um, Mm -hmm. that's just for some reason, my heart has like grown over the years to love rain and cold and snow. Mm. Well, now that it's snow all the time, (laughs) snow's a little, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but rain and cold is super cool. Yeah. We got lots of that in the fall. Um, Yeah. yeah. So that just, for some reason, walking around with, waterproof everything mm-hmm. like head to toe and stepping in puddles like makes me feel invincible. So <laughs> that's been with your waterproof yeah. shoes. Yeah. Yeah. That one, there um, is no puddle too deep. Yeah. I'm not proud to admit, uh, I've enjoyed that one quite a bit. Nice. Um, so that's helped. Uh, but I think as a consistent and more like realistic help, um, one of the biggest things for me has been the pace of life here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I haven't asked any Norwegians, but I have seen it every week since we've been here. So I'm pretty sure it's true. Um, it seems like they start their weekend on Thursday night, mm. like Thursday is their Friday. Oh yeah. And then they kind of have a four day Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend. Like Thursday's the last day of the school week. Yeah. And like they're all, they're out of classes and yeah. enjoy yeah. the weekend. Oh, I, I get what and you're then, saying. Yeah. And by Sunday, the city, like we're in the city mm-hmm. for Norway and the city's a ghost town yeah. until yes. like 1 PM. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just the pace of life and even throughout the work week, they tend to close early, which mm-hmm. is frustrating when you need to call a business or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. you can't call to do whatever government <laughs> thing you need to do because they close at 2 PM. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like unimaginable for, 24 seven customer service. <laughs> yeah. Thanks America. Yeah. Cause government cus- customer service yeah. in America is yeah, top notch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it has its, um, like ways that it practically is a little inconvenient. Um, but I've really grown to appreciate the slower, more, um, just laid back pace of life that, mm-hmm. um, is allowed here. I like that. And yeah. it, like, it doesn't feel like a rush. Like I feel like, um, American life, even when I was just, you know, working at Best Buy, it's not the craziest job in the world. I'm not yeah. a CEO or anything. Sure. Sure. I'm a cashier. Um, Thank life you, just felt busy all the time. Yeah. And I could never rightly prioritize things. And since we've been here, um, that's been one of the main joys that I've had mm-hmm. is being able to prioritize things rightly. You know, my time mm-hmm. with God, um, consistently, focusing on grace and you know actually 
investing in my marriage, having a date night every week is not a crazy thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is realistic. Um, and then, uh, the church and, or the little church family that we have here. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of Norway and the world after that, um, has just been one of the most calming things for me. Um, and I think definitely for grace too, cause she kind of naturally has to, you know, if I'm prioritizing things that way, then yeah, well, she prioritizes Grey's Anatomy pretty high. But <laughs> pretty high. Just, but that how your priorities spill onto your wife, right? Yeah. So, the, so whatever mess I make mm-hmm. sort of ends up in my family's lap. Yeah, and, sure. And we have, I think that's one of the the one of the advantages of of hitting that reset button is we get to sort of reprioritize. We get to see the mess we've made, mm-hmm. and we get to put things in order because it's not. I mean, it's not uncommon, especially as uh, being in ministry in the United States to get stuff way out of balance uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and to, and to not be living out your priorities. And I know that's something that Whitney had to deal with a lot, you know, that there are things that I said I had to do while borderline neglecting my responsibilities as a husband and father at home. Mm-hmm. And we have an opportunity to sort of re- to reshape that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're, yeah. I would say it's not like we're any less busy, maybe slightly less busy because there are a few like event, there are like fewer programs we have yeah. to manage and oversee. Um, but it's not like we're doing less stuff. We do just though have some space to reorder and reorganize and then prioritize the things that are important. So maybe in California, you don't have a date night with grace every week. You're doing the same number of things, but you filled those three hours with some other mm. lower priority thing that makes you feel like you're burned out and you're failing and you're not living the way that God wants you to. And you're not investing in your marriage and you're not, you're not leading and shepherding your wife. Um, you're, you're neglecting all of that and filling it with three hours of some dumb thing that I've asked you to do. Mm. We're here. You can spend those three hours now investing in your wife and you're no less, you're no less busy, but you're spending your time on the right kind of things. And we have some freedom to, um, to sort of move, move and shift those things yeah. around and figure out, figure out what a life well lived looks like and sort of plan it and make that happen. That's a significant advantage. And I think a real, real blessing of mm-hmm. God having called us here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, where that lands in my life, I, I can totally relate to that because the first, uh, the last couple of years leading up to our finally, you know, moving here were crazy for me. Mm-hmm. I was a banker in the middle of the COVID pandemic. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't, if we're familiar with what happened, um, like I experienced like lines out the door mm-hmm. surrounding the building every day mm-hmm. for like months. Yeah. And it was it literally would not slow down. I, I would come home absolutely exhausted just totally drained and Marissa would be like what happened mm-hmm. like the same thing that happened two months yeah. ago mm-hmm. and you know it's, it's going to happen tomorrow and yeah well yeah. Oh, yeah it's also like the, we experienced things like the coin shortage like I honestly didn't have three coin three boxes of pennies for McDonald's and they yeah. were like I want my pennies and I'm like mm-hmm. I don't got your pennies, pennies yeah. so <laughs> it, and it was crazy and I was you know working part time at the church you know that we were attending mm-hmm. and it was just crazy it was a is um you know, priorities very quickly, you know, fall off the rails. They fall yep. out of whack. They, that definitely applied to my life. Very busy, very long days. Yeah. Um, and not to be in a complaining kind of way, but one of the comforts of being here is, you know, reshaping things. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a little bit spoiled because we attend a theology school yeah. and that's like my favorite thing to mm-hmm. talk about, like on the planet. Mm-hmm. And it's a little spoily for me. Yeah. Uh, I love it. It's awesome. I couldn't imagine studying anything else. Um, maybe philosophy, but, uh, <laughs> that's been fun. One of, one of the other things that we've had to find comfort in and get to find comfort in is, uh, something you emphasized in our lives. The, when we first landed here mm-hmm. was we have to be, um, consistent in our spiritual disciplines. Yeah. So things like, um, back at home, We'd start like a Bible reading plan, yeah. and we would for two weeks <laughs> text each other and stuff like that, yeah. and say, "Hey, no. have you uh, been reading yeah. your Bible this week?" Oh, no, no, well, I should have. You know, I missed a day, but I'll just read. I'll just double, <laughs> I'll up, double tomorrow. up tomorrow, and it never happens. Yeah. And you know, then we get like two months behind. I'm like, "What? You expect me to read two months in one day?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Right, uh, <laughs> you should have kept on trying. No, to you should have done two months in two months. But no, here yeah. We <laughs> so, um, but here. Um, this attitude, again, taking myself out of the equation that the team has uh, where we, it's this, this motto of like, we can't afford to not 
read our Bible every day. Yeah. I mean, our closeness, yeah. our highest priority has to be closeness to God mm-hmm. and, um, our greatest contribution to the mission is our personal holiness and walk with God, yeah. like everything after that. And, um, that's unusual. It's unusual that as ministers, we get to live that out. For most people involved in ministry, mm-hmm. your highest priority is making the event or the program or the, um, or the ministry or the whatever happen. And so way too many lay past lay ministers and pastors and whatever, t- go talk to any pastor in the United States yeah. and they will readily admit to you that their job as a pastor has at, at least at times gotten in the way of their relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And you go, Whoa, how, how could that be? How well, could yeah. you, how could you possibly feed anyone else? If you, if you're not fed <laughs> yourself, like how, mm. sure. how does that even happen? I remember, uh, I won't, uh, will I tell the story? Yeah, I'll tell the story. <laughs> so I was at, uh, when I was a younger man, I, I toured with a band for a little bit and we were attending this church in New York and there's this object lesson that just will never leave me. And what the pastor had done was, um, he went and got Starbucks, which we're in a little town in New York and they didn't have a Starbucks. He had to drive like 40 minutes away to get a Starbucks and he got this. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's not even true here. We got Starbucks everywhere, yeah. but they, he <laughs> had this like carafe of coffee and you push your thumb down on the thing and the little thing flips open and then you can pour a cup of coffee. Right. And so we're in this little church and he asks, he goes, Hey, by the way, guys, I've got Starbucks today. Who'd like a cup of coffee? And he takes out the cup and he does the thumb and he pours the thing and he pours a cup of coffee and does that a few times. And then he pours uh, another cup of coffee, but there's only enough coffee for it to, you know, come up like a third of the way. Mm -hmm. And he hands that to the person. He goes, okay, who else? And we all just watched him pour the rest of the coffee into like, you know, we, we all saw him run out Mm -hmm. and he goes, okay, who else? And someone sheepishly raised their hand. He says, okay. And he does the exact same motion, right? He grabs the cup and he grabs the thing and he sticks his thumb on the thing and he does this and he counts four Mississippis or whatever and just goes drip, 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 drip. And he goes, all right. And without missing a beat, like just as though, as though he had just filled the cup and he did that a few more times. We didn't understand what he was getting at, but his point was about going through the motions, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and I love that as an object lesson. Like we can apply it to so many things that we do in our life. But I know that there are times in my life where that's definitely how my spiritual life becomes. You you go through the motions. Maybe I open my Bible. Maybe I don't. But, you know, I'm playing music on Sunday morning, and that's definitely a part of my responsibility at the church. Or I'm leading the group or whatever the thing is. All of those things are like playing music at church on Sunday is vitally important. But there's a, there are times and there's a sense in which the work gets in, in the way of the highest and most, like our greatest and most important thing, which is for our own sake and for the sake of the ministry that God's entrusted us with, which is our personal, which is our personal closeness with God almighty. Um, I think that's just the greatest thing that we can offer, not only to God because he deserves it, but also to the ministry that he's called us to. And if, if that's an, or like that has to be a foundation. So you might not build any walls on that foundation, but if you build any walls on a shakier foundation there, like it's going to lead to problems. So you have to have at least that. And that's been, uh, I'm terrible at it. I, I love the Lord, but I fail him all the time. Um, but even just having that comfort and the space and the opportunity to say, nope, this is my priority. And so I'm not going to schedule anything that gets in, that gets in the way of that. And if mm-hmm. I fail, if I fail to keep that priority, it's my fault. It's not my boss's fault because there was something I needed to li- to deliver. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I can't, I can't cop out. I can't blame it on anyone else like that. That one is on me and it's between me and God. Um, so, you know, ask a preacher a question and I'll, I'll go on and on and on. So I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. I'm going to zip it up a little bit. Um, but that's just to sort of, I guess reiterate the thing that you said, Jacob, was we have the opportunity now to actually live out our spiritual disciplines. And what it boils down to at the end of the, at the end of the day is that we can't, we cannot really blame our failure to stay close to God on anybody else, right? God's not, he's not receding from us Mm -hmm. and we can't really blame it on the work because this is the work. And at this point, your job demands that you are close to the Lord. And I think that that can't do anything but benefit our lives. And learning that lesson has just been um, life-changing for me. Like God told me clearly, especially when, when Whitney and I were at our training with the board before we came to Oslo, like the, your greatest contribution to your team is your personal walk in holiness. Mm. Uh, I fail all the time, like I said, mm-hmm. but it's a brand new and I think absolutely true and refreshing perspective. And I have the opportunity to do that together, you know, mm-hmm. and to, to help each other to remain accountable and, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's awful to fail, but it's great to have that freedom. Absolutely. I, and 
one of the ideas that that really uh, strikes with me is I think that's just so paramount to um, doing the mission that uh, not only that we're doing here, but evangelism, like in any context, mm-hmm. is personal holiness. Yeah. So I can think of a number of examples that I personally have experienced um, uh, before I met you guys, like as a yeah. young man, have personally experienced where. I, I know preachers who are so good at preaching the gospel, mm-hmm. and they they can like they, they can preach like sinners in the hands of an angry God, and you get <laughs> convicted, and you're uh, just like, oh, I'm a sinner, and yeah. like all that stuff. And but something hap- like something goes down with like their personal holiness is out of mm-hmm. whack. They're not keeping up in their spiritual disciplines. They're not. They're really close to God in here, yeah. but spiritually they're so far from him. And I just see it go up in flames or mm-hmm. I see it be challenged by the world. Mm-hmm. And I, it just all, every time I've seen that happen, it's yeah. always ended badly. And well, it's, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so twofold. It's not, not only does it produce awful results, but then you live less of a life than what God called you to, right? He's already given you eternal life. Mm-hmm. And right now we've got one foot sort of in the earth door. We've got a foot in this physical thing before God makes us a new physical thing. Um, but we are now, like now experiencing the kingdom of God while we're in this place with work to do. And sometimes the, it's interesting how the, like what we put our hands to get in the way of gets in the way of the work that God has called us to. Mm -hmm. And we see, yeah, we see it happen all the time. We see Mm -hmm. intelligent men who understand they know God, they love Jesus. They, they understand the word they can, they can handle it and divide it well, but who's, um, Maybe their uh, their priorities have gotten have gotten scrambled up, and so we uh, so we we see what it produces, sort of in an earthly way. Mm-hmm. But then there are also all these eternal consequences, and we just can't we just can't take that seriously enough. We can't yeah. take seriously enough that we have to stay close to God. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate those thoughts, um, and so. Yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to like improve on that, but <laughs> you, you would think it'd be like kind of like a basic thing. Like we all, it, it's those Christian things that we heard a thousand times when we were in youth group, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you read your Bible every day, pray every day, make sure you're, you know, like, yeah, make sure you're close to God, make sure you're serving in your church. Like all the, all these things, they're like basic Bible study, mm-hmm. youth group level, like <laughs> application points. Yeah. But really, as we're, as, Speaking, you know, from our experience here, being, you know, boots on the ground, being actually here where that is our job now is, is, uh, working on our spiritual disciplines. Um, so that we can preach the gospel effectively, mm-hmm. not just in our crafty speech, mm-hmm. um, but in, you know, uh, in our lives, how we, yeah. how we live our lives and that bleeds into our preaching eventually. So, yeah. um, well, that's, I think. They're th- I'll offer an admonishment to you guys. You guys have heard me say this a lot, but admonishment to everyone who's listening also. So for those of you who are disciples of Jesus, I mean, there are, there are these three characteristics that are absolutely essential and necessary for the life of every disciple of Christ. These are not exceptional things. This is, should be an ordinary part of the life of every believer. Mm-hmm. And that is reading the scriptures regularly, praying faithfully, and evangelizing uh, uh, regularly pick, pick a word, but those uh, evangelism mm-hmm. reading scripture and spending time with God, all of those things are absolutely ordinary to the life of every believer. Yeah. So if you, uh, if you don't have that rhythm, it's, which is super easy to fall out of, it's hard to get into and easy to fall out of. But if you're not in, if you're not in that rhythm, then you have a, uh, like a crumbly foundation. And what we try and do is sort of hold up the building that's on top of this crumbly foundation with all of the, all of the things we do in the ministry we do. Meanwhile, we've, uh, we've sort of wandered far from God. I know that maybe that's not what we intended to, we set out to talk mm-hmm. about, but I know that's important. That's important <laughs> for us and uh, important for the, the ministers who are supporting us. The part of the, the of broader word first family to know what it is that we're up to and yeah. the lessons that God's teaching us as we, uh, you know, as we do our best to understand and, and do his will here in Oslo. So I'm also going to close this out with something off the cuff, oh. <laughs> but I want to, um, I was thinking about this as we were talking, talking about, um, those, those last like topics about personal holiness and spiritual disciplines. I want to read this. Um, this is like my, one of my favorite parts in all of scripture. Mm. Um, the last thing I ever 
preached on in the U.S. was actually yeah. out of this passage. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit. Uh, this is Paul's, the, the chapter heading here is Paul's final charge to Timothy. Mm-hmm. Paul's in jail. Paul's about to be martyred for the faith. Talk about paying the ultimate cost. Mm. And he's writing one last uh, letter to Timothy, who he calls his child in the faith, uh, to give him all the instructions he needs to do exactly what you were just talking mm-hmm. about. So here's what Paul says to Timothy and what he says to all of us through the Holy Spirit. You, however, know all of my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, But as for you, us Christians, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know uh, those from who you learned it, uh, the people who you learned it from, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Mm. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, and instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside into myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, gosh, that's, um, that's been a scripture that's been at the forefront of my mind coming here with you guys, doing ministry with you guys. And so I, I'm inspired just by reading those words. I hope you guys at home uh, would take those words from Paul to Timothy to heart and apply them in your own lives because just as Cam said, uh, Christians ought to be and have to be in a continual state of evangelism in your life. Yes, but also in preaching the gospel. So, uh, I know that I'm inspired to do that better this week and I hope you guys, uh, will pray to God and be inspired to do the same. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, next week we're going to have a special guest come on and talk about church life in Norway and, uh, speak into some of our questions and some of our, uh, uh, yeah, questions about Norwegian life and church life here. So we hope you tune in next week and God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Word First Radio. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to learn more about Word First and how you can support the ministry spiritually and financially, check us out at wordfirst.us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Word First Radio, and we'll see you again next week. God bless.